I did a top 10 list last week of the top five things that I have talked myself into about the 2022 NFL season. And number one on the list is the Las Vegas Raiders are going to win the American Football Conference Western Division. The four o'clock football frenzy. All right. Rich Eisen, drawing a line in the sand. Big Raiders guy. Yeah. Rich, you can come here. Actually, you can go a lot of places and bet the Raiders and get good numbers. So put some money down on it. They need a play to play guy. Well, I wonder if he'd be in the running. That would, I think that would Fly be. In, I think that would out. be the kind of guy. Like I, I put out my list last week of Raiders play-by-play candidates to replace Brent. Um, and you know, I was saying I think they should stay local, but I have a feeling they're going to go for a splashy name. Yeah. Um, so Eisen would, if he wants to do it, I have no idea if he's done play-by-play before. I have no idea if he'd want to do, you know, that much because you do have to carve out some real time. Yep. to do a play, uh, play-by-play for an NFL team, but I think he would be the kind of guy, you know, they already know he's a Raiders backer. Talks about him all the time. I yeah. think that's what they're going to lean towards, don't you? Oh, yeah. I think they're going to go for a big name. I think that there are... But someone who's Raiders friendly. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, they don't want to have another Greg Papa situation where, you know, MD's getting all mad at him. Something's yeah, no. going on between them. Yeah, there'll be a... It'll, it'll, it'll be a big name or a former Raider, you know. Um, I would imagine they'll keep Lincoln Kennedy. I would think. Um, I, unless Lincoln's were... role will change. Because Lincoln, unfortunately, was having to do a little more play-by-play to kind of fill in some gaps. So if he's you know, if he's with someone who's in their prime now as a play-by-play person, his, his role will change. I think Lincoln, he, actually, I think Lincoln is the perfect color voice yeah, he's a good, for radio he's, he's because good. Lincoln is, he is very economical with his words. He does not go on and on. Well, and you're talking about, and I'm not trying to diminish this, obviously, because we're talking on the radio, but we're talking about radio where someone who already is a natural, and one of the names that you had on the list, it's it's a it's it's not a bad thought. Is he's in that booth, he's in that stadium for UNLV games? Is Langer Russ Lang, uh, Russ Langer? With I mean, because he could make that transition. He's right here in Las Vegas, um, and and there were a couple of the names that. that that you put out there that were really good. So, but I do agree that they're probably, I would imagine Mark Davis with what we've seen him do across the board in this town with both teams that he owns, will be looking for a big name. I thought Darren Waller was really good yesterday with his media availability. Um, Not everyone has been loquacious. We'll get to that a little later in the show, I thought there were a couple of guys today who kind of wanted to get in and out of there. And I, Waller is, um, I don't want to sound like a, a weirdo, but he really is a sweetheart. He's a, he's a nice guy yes. and you can ask him just about every, you know, anything. And, um, was he at the aces game the night that you were there? I don't remember. Oh, he would have walked right in front of us. Yeah, I don't remember. No, he, he, like he, like a he lot of people, like Hey, like let me guy. get a photo. Let me get a photo. Yeah. But he, he stops, he takes the time. He waves. Yeah. He's not going to stop and do selfies with all, every fan, but he at least acknowledges like when Brady came in, he wasn't acknowledging anybody. They, they're all yelling his name. He walked yeah. straight to his seat. A couple so, of people he wait, but anyway, Willie, we know what the Raiders, we've got, you know, several guys who have interesting contract situations. Yep. Waller's got a couple more years left, but you know, he's, he's underpaid mm-hmm. by top tight end standards. Mm-hmm. We know that John Abram didn't have his fifth year option picked up. We know that, Josh Jacobs didn't have his fifth-year option picked up. So there are some contract situations on the team. And Waller came in yesterday for media availability, and you, know, you guys got right to it. And here's what Waller had to say about, you know, thinking about his contract status. Yeah, I just focus on enjoying it while I'm here, whether I'm here 
10 years or who knows how long, you know, just being present here. My agent's job is to do that stuff, and I just focus on the football part because if you don't focus on football and your mind's elsewhere, you got to be locked in. It's professional, so. There you go. Uh, Derek Carr was also asked about contract situations, specifically with Waller and with Renfro. But the way that Max, myself, and Devontae did things was, you know, hopefully to make sure it was okay for everyone else to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Hopefully those things get done. I leave that to Darren, his people, and Hunter and his people, and our guys. You know, they're, I'm sure they're all talking. They're all working on how do they make it happen. I'm sure they're talking. It's not an easy puzzle to put together. You know, how many guys can you have on the team who are making, you know, upwards of $15 million plus? And I do think... Derek Carr did take a discount, especially on the guaranteed money, because there really isn't any more guaranteed money beyond the 35 plus, 35 million plus this year. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that Waller is there and that Waller is certainly not going to, you know, start playing contract games through the media or any kind of holdout. No, it's not his, it's not his MO. It's not just, I think he just wants to play football. And, you know, I think Darren Waller, we have to remember what he's been through um, in terms of, you know, his recovery, and now he's a very active voice, and he's become a very active voice in the community. He's asked to, you know, to speak. He's got his foundation. Yep. Of course, there was the pandemic year banquet that they had that, that someone got a little bit in trouble for, but the but it's a genuine effort yeah. that he, you know, and, and I think that he, he cares about his image, I think, a little bit more than, I think he knows that he's going to get paid. I, he's one of those guys that's like, okay, look, does he does he realize that he's the seventeenth highest paid tight end and it probably deserves to be in the top five? Yes, but does it bother him because he knows at some point he's going to get paid? If the Raiders don't pay him, someone's paying him. He's going to get paid, whatever it may be. And I think he's just he's just thankful and pleased because of the road and the path that he's had to you know sort of walk, or he chose to walk. I should say he didn't have to take those you know, live the life he led and yep. he's corrected himself. Yep. And um, listen, there are people who are, you know, battling addiction, battling mental health issues. And when it comes down to contracts, some handle it like Waller, others don't. And they run to social media, you know, and then try to start, you know, stirring things up. And Waller's not about to do that. Uh, Adam Hill was down uh, at Raiders minicamp yesterday, part of the company. And he posed the question about, Having too many weapons. Now, that sounds crazy, right? But we know there are receivers who will get pissed if they don't get the ball and they're not targeted enough. So here's Adam asking the question of Waller. A serious level, is there enough balls to go around for everybody that uh, these great players that have succeeded so much in the NFL, is that going to work? Yeah, no, that's a good question because it's like when you see a, an NBA team, you know, remember like when the Heat got the big three, it's like the first year. I mean, I click like the way they wanted to because it's like it takes chemistry. It, it works great on like Madden and 2K, but it's like, you know, guys gotta guys gotta accept roles and know, okay, this is the situations that I do best in, and then just bring a certain level of unselfishness to the table. What do you think of that answer? I think it sounds genuine, and I agree with him. But I think with this particular team, um, when it comes to weapons, I think the more the better because you you have dynamic players that could force double teams. And that at some point someone's going to get the touches. One game it may be one, may ha one half it could be Devontae Adams. Oh man, we need to switch coverages. And the next half it's it's uh, Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro becomes the star one game, and Devontae Adams gets two touches because they're playing somebody who, you know, their their zone coverage or their coverage is strictly on him. 
So I think it's a great answer. I believe, you know, and I think that they're, I think the mindset, they know what they have. Derek Carr talked about uh, Colin Kaepernick the other day. We'll get Willie's reaction to what Carr said, and also our NFL insider Caleb Herring will react as well to Carr and Cap. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You know, just watching him and what he did in college and getting to know him and talking to him on the phone and things like that. I told you guys, I've loved my time with him. I think he's a you know, great guy. He's been great to be around. Yeah, for us, I think he'd be great. I think I don't want to speak for everybody in that kind of sense. Like, I don't want someone mad at me for saying, like, I think it'd be great. But I know him and I would get along great. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Let's get to Caleb. We'll get his reaction to what Derek Carr was saying about Colin Kaepernick and the workout. As uh, Carr said, hey, he's had a good relationship with Colin Kaepernick in the past and then said he thinks he'd be fine on the team as a teammate, but then, you know, step back a little bit. He's like, I don't want to speak for everyone. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're good. Uh, Willie sent over a comment about Carr on Kaepernick. Did you not buy that that was genuine? I think it was genuine in the sense that he knows that Kaepernick's not going to get signed. So it's so so he's going to say that. Yeah. Because I think that he's been it's been assured that and I don't think he felt I don't know I don't, you, think, I don't I don't know if you noticed but in one of the comments we pointed it out yesterday um he spoke in past tense basically like he said they're not going to do it. He didn't say it exactly like if if we had done that I think. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe yeah. he knows already. That's what I'm saying. So I feel, I feel like he's comfortable in saying that, um, that you know, no, I would have been fine with that. I would have been fine with it. And I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't I'm think not, that he ever felt his job was threatened. But no. I also am not sold that he was okay with it. Also, because I'm I not feel so like, cynical. I believe Derek Carr on his word on this case. Okay. I, I, I think I think it. I believe him because in this case, he's not talking about necessarily is he going to get signed or not he's just saying i believe he's a good guy i don't he's not saying yeah we should sign him or no he's he, he'd be a locker room cancer i think like you said he walked back a little bit on the uh you know i think he'd be great because there is still a political locker room balance uh fan reaction to everybody just praising kaepernick and i think he maybe realized that and that's more kind of why he was being genuinely nice about it like hey, kaepernick it could be a great guy. He could be a great teammate. I don't know. I did this. It's, I don't know. I've never been in a locker room, but Carr was kind of walking that. Yeah. Graceful, not arrogant. Cause there's, I mean, it's a politically correct answer, but I think it came from a genuine place with Carr. There's no reason for him to have any animosity. There's no question as to, would he be challenging my starting job? That, that was never the question. It's just a matter of in the backup quarterback role. Could he be a guy that blended with the locker room? Yeah. I right. think he could have been. And you know what? I've heard a number of national pundits and I've heard people say, you know, well, the Carr brothers, um, you know, based off those comments, because it, it, it speaks volumes when anytime when someone's commenting on Colin Kaepernick um, in, in the fact that, you know, they believe that David and Derek Carr are red card carrying Americans, if you will. But let's not forget that Derek Carr was one of a number of. Okay, reportedly, quote unquote, uh, growing list of white NFL players to offer support to African-American teammates by putting 
their hand. And for him, it was Khalil Mack's shoulder during the Star Spangled Banner. Um, so he wanted, and he had a long quote about it to our good friend of the show, Paul Gutierrez. So the, the bottom line is, in terms of that, you know, it, it, uh, from a political standpoint, I believe that he is genuine about it. But I'm just saying that he was very comfortable in the supporting role of I would have had no problem with him in the locker room because I think that he knows that he's not coming. And, and I think with Carr even, I think what he and his brother have, have I guess, developed a reputation for, uh, the red card carrying thing, like you said, I think just examining him and, and knowing him a little bit from our past crossing in the past, I think the lines that he draws are very much more religious in nature. So I don't know necessarily if this would even conflict what, what Colin Kaepernick's quote unquote issue is. I don't know if it would necessarily be an issue with where he draws a line in the sand. Last season with Nassib, I thought that would have been a more awkward situation if it wasn't awkward at all, the way he handled it in the media and, and in the press and things like that. Would I think it been would have been a more challenging situation for Carr and his foundational belief system in the locker room right like that that would have been a bigger issue but it seems like that went fine last season as far as the locker room chemistry went with those guys um so this i don't think he has an issue i don't think he has an issue putting his hand on he, he's not i've never heard anybody accuse him of being a racist guy i mean you can be a red card carrying you know hardcore republican guy and and still be sympathetic to issues of racial injustice and i think Carr falls in that category he still has you know some common sense some decency some kindness in his spirit where he can recognize hey this is a moment of brotherhood and I, i'll step up to that and i think that's where kaepernick's issue really stands this doesn't i think shake the foundation if kaepernick was to be in the locker room it doesn't shake the foundation of who Derek carr has been his entire life in his public career because he's very much about his religion and the issues with colin kaepernick quote-unquote issues with colin kaepernick are not religious in nature caleb herring the former unlv quarterback our football insider appears on wednesdays on Cofield and company uh, another podcast Cam Newton popping on saying that he believes he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks by saying uh, there's not 32 guys better than me Caleb can you explain to folks your impression of what a backup quarterback is in the NFL maybe it's not just based on talent no, it's not. I think it's it's based on the ability to be similar to the first string guy. Um, and that, I think that's more important to rosters when they're going looking after looking for a backup. If you're going to go get a backup, you want the offense to have to go through minimal changes if the starter goes down. And you see that across the league. The backup usually has a similar play style to the guy who starts. Um, and Cam Newton, his unique abilities that made him so so famous, so hard to defend, such a great athlete, an MVP candidate, an MVP, a super uh, runner-up, um, the things that made him so great were also very individual traits that not a lot of people could replicate or duplicate in an offensive system. So you don't find a lot of starters that do what he does, so therefore there's not a lot of backups who do what he does. And you look at the Ravens last year, their backup came in and essentially was Lamar Jackson. And that's what teams look for in the backup quarterback. It's not just how good you are. It's how good you fit with the system that the starter runs so that if in the unfortunate event the starter goes out, the backup, nothing changes. There's not a new play call. There's a, Everything's the same. We can run our same stuff. Um, you'll be just as effective. You look across the league, you might say Cam Newton still has a skill set that's in the top 32. He could, he could possibly be like the 30th best quarterback. I don't know. He could start somewhere. That's what he's saying. But 
of the teams that are doing that is anybody willing to mortgage their future as a franchise to create an offense that Cam Newton can thrive in? And the answer is no. I don't think there's anybody that's willing to do that. And this is a similar conversation that people had around Colin Kaepernick when before he, you know, the the the, the protests and things like that is can you construct an offense where he can thrive like Harbaugh did? And that offense in San Francisco when they were going to the Super Bowl and winning the NFC, those offenses were very unique and they were tailored to a very specific skill set that Colin Kaepernick had. And if you aren't that skill set, you won't be able to play in that system. So I think that's where Cam Newton finds himself. Yes, he may have the talent. He may have some ability left in the tank. But is anybody going to change their system for Cam Newton today so that he can be the most effective player? No, they're not going to do that. And that's why that's the only reason why what he's saying is a little bit ridiculous. He you got to look at it in that way where nobody's going to say that you're the guy, give you the keys and change their whole system to be, you know, what you need it to be. Like Lamar Jackson right now, he has that kind of leverage. He has potential. The, the Ravens run a very unique system that only Lamar Jackson can be effective at. Um, and, and that's one of the only teams that do such a thing. So that's why I think the backup role is a little different. You have to fit into the system, not just be good. On the top 32 comment, why wouldn't the Seahawks bring him in? Geno Smith's not good. Come on. Um, and you got to run heavy coach, right? Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. Cam Newton can help you get downhill. Isn't Cam Newton better than Drew Locke? At what? At, and that's, that's the question. The, what Cam Newton's better at him at is, is not throwing the ball. I don't think, I don't think there, there's no reason to say right now that Cam Newton's a better passer of the football than Drew Locke is. I, 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 I don't think so. I, have, I mean, they, they, it would be a competition for sure. But like I said, you'd have to call an offense that's very different than any other quarterback on the roster. And you have to have an extreme amount of gravity to, to get that kind of attention from any coaching staff at this point. I think as a coach, I'd rather work a quarterback in the system traditionally, quote unquote, traditional quarterbacks and see who's the best at that and run a, a, a more, I don't want to say generic, but traditional style of offense. than bring Cam Newton in as a free agent or, or sign him and say, listen. We're going to put you in some zone read situations. We're going to run a lot of quarterback power when that's not your offensive scheme. You'd be tailoring things for Cam Newton to thrive. And then it wouldn't really be a competition if that's the case. Of course, Drew Locke's not going to run quarterback power off the right guard like Cam Newton is. That's, of course not. But if you're talking about throwing the ball down the field accurately, um, fitting the ball in some tight windows, Locke's shown some potential there. I, I'm not going to say without a shadow of a doubt he's better than Cam Newton, but it's not so clear to me that Cam Newton's better than Locke. And it's not so clear that he's worth the risk that comes along with a, a player so unique as Cam Newton. So, Caleb, I'm listening to early, early guys while I'm doing fasted cardio at four in the morning on the on the our national uh, station, and there they had an interesting fasted cardio. I like it. Yeah, they had an interesting <laughs> conversation. Um, they had an interesting conversation as to superstars that. Will they win another title or won't they? So, something along those lines. I, I narrowed it down and wanted to know because I heard both names brought up. And I, LeBron James versus Aaron Rodgers. Will either one of them win a championship in their respective sport? And who's most likely to do it before their career is over? That's, that's really close. And it's crazy because they both find themselves in similar situations in their career where they're aging and rebuilding at the same time. Um, I would say because of the situation with where the Green Bay Packers find themselves divisionally, like as far as what division they're in in the NFL, yep. I would give him the edge at probability of winning another championship. 
um, with the reemergence of the Golden State Warriors in basketball, with other teams like Dallas figuring things out, I think it's all uphill for LeBron. New Orleans, I mean, if Zion comes back, that team um, is a, as a contender, I think, in the West that would make it very difficult to, to make it all the way to the top again for LeBron James. If he did it, it'd be amazing at his age and, and with what the Lakers have been going through the last couple of years transitioning um, to a new, uh, basically a new team. So I would give the edge to Aaron Rodgers as far as the chances to win it again. But that being said, football, and one of the reasons the NFL is such an exciting sport to watch is the single-game elimination playoffs. Even if Aaron Rodgers somehow rebuilds a great team, a, a contender of a team, and, and is a favorite to win it again and is on track, to, all it takes is a bad quarter, a bad half, and it's over. Whereas, you know, the best of seven, typically the best team in basketball – gets to the top or at least has a chance to win it all. I don't know that in the NFL it's always necessarily the best team that wins. It's There's a lot of, of chance that goes into whether or not you win it. So for that reason, it makes it a little bit – I'm uncertain of my pick. Aaron Rodgers, though, has my vote as far as who has the better shot, the better route, the better path to get there. I think Aaron Rodgers is more likely. And, and I don't know. We could see a Laker team that comes out and just clicks this next season with the hire of Ham and Anthony Davis back healthy. Um, I don't know. I, the Lakers could be a completely different team. They could be a mix in the mix for the championship again next year if all goes according to plan. Um, but I, right now, I'd have to say Aaron Rodgers is more likely to get another ring. Caleb Herring's with us. So we got game three coming up tonight. The uh, coverage has been interesting. I mean, it's been a little inconsistent because you had some broadcaster issues with COVID. I saw you tweet last week some frustration about <laughs> pregame, halftime and postgame on ESPN. What's the problem? You know what? It's it's one. I think uh, the chemistry is not there, and it's something that's that 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 the pregame and po and halftime show for for the ESPN has been a kind of shuffle deck of rotating guys that come in. I think Jayla Rose has been the most consistent. Now it's Stephen A. and Will Bond and Greeny. Uh, it, that it's just they're trying to find chemistry on a set, and it's not easy to do. It's not by any means easy, um, but they just haven't been able to nail the chemistry, especially when you draw the comparison to what t what Turner Sports does with, with EJ, Shaq, Chuck, and Kenny. Um, that's the only real juggernaut that we can compare it to. So it, it pales in comparison as far as chemistry goes. And then there's this rushed element of the show where halftime is like it's 90% commercials and there's like 10 minutes of Greeny trying to hurry up and feed you stats of the first half. And it's just uncomfortable to watch. It doesn't draw me back in for the second half. I'd rather just turn the channel and go watch something else until halftime ends. Um, and then there's the fact that the faces of ESPN are so much – they're given to us in such large quantities. I mean, Stephen A. Ne is never not on ESPN. And it's just at some point you get tired of him yelling at you. And you don't <laughs> want to hear it anymore. And then, it's, and then Greeny, he, he has, he's great on radio. He's great with, with the get-up show. But it's just like at some point I have fatigue. And that's the beautiful thing I think about Turner Sports is that we go a whole year basically – without hearing from the guys. So when they come back, we're excited to see what Chuck's been up to and, and to hear their voices again talking about the topic. And it, ESPN just isn't doing it for me. And they, they've got to figure it out. They've been through a lot of different – I know Michelle Beadle was there at one point. They had, you know, uh, they've had different hosts. They've had different analysts. But I think I'm just over it. <laughs> I think I just don't want to – I think the biggest thing, and I hate to say this, I don't like getting yelled at by Stephen A anymore. I really it's, – it's worn on me. I think his time is winding up for that character – to, to be the face of ESPN. It, it's just something that I don't, I don't enjoy when I'm trying to watch the finals anymore. I 
100% agree. And I think one, I think the first problem, I agree with Stephen A. He's always yelling at you, but I think with Mike Greenberg, and I can't believe I'm about to throw a huge rock at a glass house, is that he doesn't get in and out of his questions, and he's supposed to be the host. <laughs> so, <laughs> so really? I mean, Mike Greenberg has always got to be the star, and I think that was a problem. No, he's, with I, and I, he's fantastic. And he, he just, he just. You know who I absolutely love, and you know what panel I would love to see? I think Malika Andrews is tremendous, and I would love to see a panel – of women, I, I mean, I think Cassidy Hubbard is great. Obviously, DB is great. I wouldn't mind like to see them host because she's already right. Malika's already hosting the pregame, I believe, where she was. Or I, I think, I think it's, I think the biggest issue with the show is the time limit. I think that the reason Greeny works is because he's able to get through things fast. Like as far as speaking fast, he talks fast, and it's almost like he has to because it's like we're up against a break as soon as we come back from break, and then there's no time to actually give any input or analyze anything other than like i said yelling out stats that oh this is what happened in the first half tatum's got to do better it's like okay well give me information i want if i don't need stats i can look at the espn app i can pull that and get live updates on the stat line i can do that but it, i i think the time constraints that you put on great guys and great tv guys make it difficult for them to actually get to the what makes them great they can't you know get through a segment when it's it's you know two minutes and out and that's 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 how we do our our halftime show i I think the structure of the halftime show is just it's not it's not working right now for and like i said it it could be just because the only comparison we have really is turner sports and and inside the nba and what they do at halftime and they're very the pace of halftime is is much more measured it's everybody it feels like everybody gets a chance to give input they have a, a much better level of chemistry. It's it's dominant personalities trying to dominate each other. I mean, each one of the guys uh, has their own show. I mean, Jalen even has his own show. Wilbon has his own show. Greeny has his own show. And Stephen A. has his own show. They're all used to being the lead. There's no Tito's. It's all Michael Jackson. There's no Tito on that show. It's all <laughs> Michael Jackson. And, and that's, I think, one of the most frustrating things about trying to watch that in a 10-minute halftime segment. Caleb, that was awesome. Quick one. Who are you picking for tonight's game? Celtics, Warriors? Golden State. I, I picked Golden State in five, and I'm sticking to it. Ooh. And I know that means they have to win three in a row going here, but I just think the Warriors have a more consistent set of stars, a consistent set of uh, supporting players. I think they're a more consistent team, and that's going to be the difference. I think the Celtics have runs in them where they can be better than the Warriors, and I think their runs at, could be even peaking higher. They have, I think, a better a capability on defense. Tatum's a nuclear bomb as well as Jalen Brown, but I don't think they're consistent enough right now at this point in their career to consistently beat the Warriors and their excellent, their well-structured team and, and defense and, and stardom and Steph and Clay. When Clay comes together, I think I see the Warriors winning the rest of these games. I, I still stay with my pick, Warriors in five. All right, Caleb, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys, have a good one. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. <laughs> You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. You can sit in the sun and can It's funny today how much we operate walking on eggshells. Also funny listening to Dean Martin and some of the stuff that he is Rat Pack guys would say on stage, right? They'd be shocked by how careful we have to be today as standards have changed. It was weird. Last night I was watching some TV show and I look up during one of the breaks and it's Johnny Depp 
playing a guitar and then it's a cologne, right? And I, I, I know I know the commercial has been around forever. I was like, all right, well, they're right back into this. And then I thought to myself, well, why wouldn't they be, right? In a way, he he won the case. Is that the kind of thing you celebrate? Did he have some kind of big dinner that he spent a bunch of money on? The the, the win over Amber Heard? From what I can tell, it sounds like uh, Johnny Depp and about 20 other quote-unquote hungry friends uh, went someplace. It was closed down to the public and spent $60,000 apparently, reportedly, on Indian food. Yeah. Varanasi, a restaurant in Birmingham, England. Okay. I would do that. Love Indian food. You? How's your stomach? Do you go Ben Stiller? You got do you, do you have to go to the bathroom. You start using the loofah. Honestly, you, you get in trouble. Irritable bowel syndrome. I don't. Okay. Uh, well, I can do spicy Thai food. I can do a lot of spicy food. I don't. I've just never gotten into Indian food. Oh, it's good. I've just never. So as far as the spicy, it's not gonna. It's not gonna mess me up. But I mean, um, you can get spice levels too. You can, you can yeah, get, like you can if, get I go, if I go, if I go so to Thai, what do you what do you usually get? They're like uh, one to five. Eight spice. to ten. Oh, five. Oh, one to ten. So what do you? Eight to ten. What? Yeah. Oh, so you can go spicy then. Mm. Oh, you're fine. Tom Yum Goom is always spicy. All right. And then my whatever dish I would usually get, Penang or All right. But I but you have if you go Thai, you have to get the Tom Yum Goom. It's it's I do. Okay. I'm going Thai tonight and uh my, my sister in law and the SO okay, so and Tom another Yum friend Goong. are gonna be there. Uh there's no way any of them are gonna go well, the SO is not gonna go eight to ten. No, happen. no, you don't have to get it. But but that's the and they bring it if you get it if you get the large, they bring out the bowl with the fire underneath and you scoop it out. It's tremendous. I used to call it magic soup when Jordan would get sick. <laughs> Is that right? I, I would take him and we would get it. And let me tell you something. Everything right through. Boom. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Now back to Cofield and Company. Bam to center field. McCarthy back at the wall. That's gone. All right, Tommy Sam, hometown hero. We slapped that one. Yeah. You're going to use that forever, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. Durango High School. But you know Tommy's people well. So I'm sure they're thrilled for him. He's starting to hit the ball again. So The Reds are hitting. Hey, listen. I don't encourage anybody to... Uh, Tell your players to go smack anybody. But ever since this incident, they got fired up. The Reds' offense is on fire. I mean, you're getting plus prices with one of the crappiest teams in baseball, and all of a sudden they're hitting the heck out of the ball. Might as well go play them. Take advantage. I think the Reds are 17 and 13, something like that, since the 3 and 22 start. So they're starting to hit the ball. They're getting a little healthier. They had that kid Ashcraft pitch yesterday. It turned into a 22 run game, but. I think before the delay, he had thrown like seven scoreless. It was eight nothing, and yeah. then it was it turned up to be fourteen yeah. to eight. They're getting some of the pitching reason. back. So, yeah. I but I will tell you, when Tommy Pham hit the home run, go back and watch that highlight. Right field, thirty people. Seriously, right center to the foul pole, thirty people. And remember, that's because the owner's son said, "Hey, you know." This is the way we're going to build the team. Basically, we're not spending money, and where else are you going to go to watch baseball? Not your park, Cleveland. So now, poor Tam- <laughs> Tommy Pham has to play in front of no one. So, if anyone needs to get slapped next, it's one of the uh, Castellini guys, the owners. They're dealing with it. 
they have no choice. They have no choice but to deal with it. But uh, yeah, they are playing a little bit better, and uh, eh, see what happens. You know, Cincinnati, Oakland. What do you need fans for? We don't need to make money. Yeah, the A's have not come out of it, and they're playing like hell at home, playing really poorly at home. Um, speaking of playing well. It's not really a good segue, but that playing was a good well. Segue. Actually, I have the easiest segue would have been, speaking of playing poorly, the Sparks and Liz Cambage, uh, Derek Fisher has now been fired. Thanks, Liz, coach killer. I'm not saying it's your fault. They're five and seven. I think this goes back to last year when they were also underwhelming. What, they finished like 20, check that, 12 and 20 last year. So he's out, finished with a career record of like, I don't 50, like the move. 50, 54 and 47. Why don't you like the move? I don't like the move because, you know, I talked to him for a little bit when he was when they were here not too long ago. And I talked to Lexi Brown and I was just talking to, you know, just we interviewed uh, a couple of the players, Jordan Canada. And here's the thing. It's basically a brand new roster Hmm. and it could be worse, but it's you know, they they all said they they all said that they had confidence that. Season, they really felt that things would come together it's it's it they just they needed game time game speed the season to sort of get together and and put it all together but when you have a brand new roster it was going to take time but they felt the chemistry was coming and you know that was one of the things with my story on Lexi Brown that she raved about was being able to play with an NBA mind because she grew up you know we spoke to her father D Brown on the show so you know it's a, it's, it's just a brand new roster. So, uh, you know, he, and what he was trying to do and rebuild within the season, I'm not sure it was a fair move. Um, and I don't know if there were outside forces or if there were personality conflicts. And can you imagine if we found out that, uh, Liz wasn't getting along with Derek Fisher? Gotta go. Would it, would it shock you? Who's gotta no. go Liz or Derek? No, I'm saying that's if she said, you know. would you, would you bet me now? How many games do they play for the season? Is it like 36, 38? I just uh, said 12 and 20 last 36, year. 18, 36, 36. Yeah. Would you bet me that – I mean, this is this is a great bet for you. Okay. Would you bet me that um, I say she doesn't make it through the season? No, because – I think she has a an injury or yeah, she needs to take a break from basketball. Yeah. And she walks away. Especially if this if if the sparks keep struggling. Wait, you won't bet you won't take the you won't take the no. You're not you're not at least ninety percent confident that she she can make it another twenty four games. No, I I would be on the side. I would t- I would like to bet. Th- I would like to bet that she does. Like I, I so we're on the same side. Yeah, that you yeah. think she's not going to finish the season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they play on Saturday, right? They do. They host the Las Vegas Aces. Yes. Second meeting of the season. What and do you think will happen? First time around. Oof. That was a message. They crushed them. Was that the game they had eighteen threes? Right? The they had 18 the record, threes. Yeah. They had, I think, did they have 40 points in the first quarter? Uh, Liz had 10 points and really didn't play down the stretch. The Sparks got romped on. Yeah. Romped on. Um, Vegas is playing well. I, I, I looked this up and I tweeted it out in terms of these back to back games. And I think they're doing it a lot with this this issue with charter flights and so on and so forth, um, where there, a lot of teams are arriving and they're staying for back to back games. And I want to say teams that uh, I think the record I tweeted out earlier was four and five. When a team plays in the same city, back to back games, and they lose the first game, the one team that's undefeated or the team that's two and zero oh is Connecticut, and that's what happened last time. I mean, Connecticut's a good team. So think about all these teams in town, all these venues, Willie, 
right? How much has changed over the last 30 years? Let's bring in one of the inductees going in next Friday to the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Not just a local politician that I, former politician, that I know well as LB, but an original member of the Las Vegas Stars out at Cashman Field, someone I've had the pleasure of see help expand Little League Baseball in Northwest, Mr. Larry Brown. How are you, sir? <laughs> doing well, guys. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. Boy, I saw the lineup today. I'm out at the Raiders facility. I get the rundown sent to me, and I said, not my good pal Larry Brown. I remember when he was elected to the city council and said, you know what? It's time for Little League Parks. It is time to recognize open space. And quite a run it's been for you, and now you're going to be honored and inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Again, let's let's start with your arrival. A lot of people may not know, Harvard graduate, star on the baseball and football team. And you came out here and you're original, original member of the Las Vegas Stars. Can you really believe what this town has grown into from your time back then? 40 years. Unbelievable. Uh, coming here in 83, uh, Cashman Field was brand spanking new just embraced the team. Uh, we had a couple uh, winning seasons right out of the gate. Bruce Bochy, Kevin McReynolds, John Crook, Ozzie Guillen. It was unbelievable. And I, I think actually set the foundation for the success of all these professional sports that have followed. I mean, they the baseball developed a, a hardcore local fan base that helped this franchise survive for 40 years, not only survive, but do well, and proved to a lot of people outside of Vegas that still had that stigma of Vegas that professional sports will do well here. And obviously today we look around and the proof is in the pudding. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, you hear a lot of, you know, who gets the credit, the Raiders, the the Golden Knights, and of course it's the, it's the current, you know, powers that be, if you will, in terms of Sisolak, but... You know, when you go back and, and you think of all the different franchises, whatever it may have been, whether it's Canadian Football League that came here, Arena Football League, whatever. I mean, many of those power brokers that wanted to bring or presidents of teams or leagues, the one person that they had to go to to probably consult with is the longstanding power guy in sports. And that's Don Logan. Good friend of yours. Got that right. Donnie, you know, the. People fail to realize that Donnie's been here 39 out of the 40 years. And the success of this organization, the success of the franchise from the Las Vegas Stars to the current Las Vegas Aviators, Donnie's never wavered from his mission, and that is to provide affordable family fun, entertainment that local families can come out and enjoy. And that hasn't changed. Certainly a, a different story when you get to the the level of the, the Raiders and the Knights and some of these major league franchises across the nation. But AAA baseball in Las Vegas has never wavered on making sure that we could offer the entertainment for families. 
LB, I was reading the, the bio that they have written up for you for the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, all your accomplishments, especially as a city councilman, Clark County Commissioner. The one thing that was left off, correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't see it on there. I saw the, the mention of Mountain Ridge Little League, and I, and I would assume that's because that's the Little League known as that got to Williamsport. But you were responsible for Children's Memorial Park. That was the first Little League park in northwest Las Vegas. Wasn't that your doing as well? We did. Uh, we actually... Um, completed Children's Memorial, which was Lone Mountain Little League. Uh, then we went and built Mountain Ridge. And then we went uh, the Western Little League, which was down off um, Decatur and one of those older fields. And we built it up up behind the Rainbow Library. So all three of those you know, certainly became wonderful facilities for the Little Leagues. And your and and majestic was, I believe, part of your uh, district with the county. And softball obviously holds a, a special place in your heart. Your daughter was a standout softball player at Centennial. Um, can, over those, you know, your your twenty plus years as a as a politician in 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 what you were involved with. What are some of your proudest moments? Or can you name? I mean, I'm sure that there are a lot of them. But as far as you're doing in growing this community. Uh, well, it, it definitely comes down to the sports, uh, the fields, and especially providing for the, the kids. Uh, it was certainly when I moved into the Northwest and our kids started to grow up into that playing age, uh, there was very little available to them. Well, I remember we used to drive probably 50 minutes to an hour to a ball field in Henderson to practice for 45 minutes and drive all the way back. And it was just the demand was so overwhelming and it was from my perspective it was pretty simple uh, we we stopped putting parks on the back burner and we moved everything to the front burner um, and we did they, I, and i say we because there are a lot of people that that accomplished what we did but over over 24 years we built two dozen parks and trails and complexes from, from passive neighborhood parks to dog parks, parks, to skate parks, to regional facilities. You mentioned Majestic. You've got Betty Wilson. You've got Kellogg's there. These are Las Vegas facilities that now are recognized not only nationally, but internationally. We bring people from all over the world into our market. And, we played a part in that. My fingerprints are on a lot of those facilities, and it was simply making them a priority. Uh, it, it certainly benefited the local residents, but it also has grown into a tremendous uh, impact on our tourism economy. And you know what? I can attest to this as as a former community reporter when you were up and coming in the beginning of your career. There's one thing I remember at every ribbon-cutting ceremony that I had to go cover Larry Brown was at the forefront and the push of all this, but when it came to the spotlight, he didn't want it on him. He didn't want it on his board members. He wanted on the people that were benefiting it, and it was usually the little league players, the soccer players. Larry, we appreciate your time, and we appreciate what you've done for this community because as a former big league ball player who came out here and stayed here, You've done so much. We congratulate you on your induction in the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, my good friend for so many years, and I appreciate your time today on the show. Willie, thank you. Greatly appreciate it.
There you go. Larry Brown, former Clark County Commissioner with Cofield and Company, will be a big part of the induction ceremony going down next week. We'll be live there with a three-hour show at the DLC in Henderson. If you want to attend, we'll send out the address on Twitter real quick. It's hofgala2022 dot givesmart.com not the easiest address to remember but we'll send that out on twitter if you want to attend it's an unbelievable event the inductees for this year and many of the past southern nevada sports hall of famers will be there next friday